and welcome to The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church, seeing how they serve the Lord, and to follow their example. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. To do that, we dig deeper into Scripture, and we find the church the Lord intended and not the one man created. We believe the church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost, and we need it today. If you know that and you believe that, there is more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and you want more? Come on, join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can email us at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, and we hope that you will, Go to firefalltalkradio.com, bottom of the page. There's multiple ways to do so. If you have any questions, please just reach out and ask. And we appreciate your support and encouragement to everybody that does. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms, hoping that you are subscribed there and making sure that you know when a new session of The Porch is on the air. If you need prayer, please let us know. We want to pray for you. If you want to pray for others in the porch community, just reach out and we'll connect you into the prayer group. Remember that we care about you. You can subscribe to us and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, X, formerly Twitter, now X. I can't ever get that right. Um, There are links on the main page for all of the places that you can find us. Aerial support, keep it coming. A lot of craziness going on right now for me and my family and for the team, so we could use your prayer covering. Speaking of prayer, we start out with praise and prayer. Praise first. I praise the Lord for my salvation. Without that, I'm not here. I don't have anything that I have, and I definitely don't have a future or blessed hope. So I praise him for the love, the grace, and the mercy, and for my salvation, for my home, for my wife, my family, the furry kids that we have now and all that we've had. For every possession I have comes from him. I praise him for his protection, for the ministry, his ministry. It'll never be mine. It'll always be his. And I praise him for you. I appreciate you. And I get excited to get here every week to share with you his word and tell you what he's saying. So I praise him for that, for the dreams, the visions, for the healing virtues. I know a lot of stuff going on in the world. We live in a fallen world. Things happen. But you know what? Praise him. Doesn't matter. Praise him just for everything. For being a renewed spirit man or woman. For the the signs that he's showing, hey, I'm coming back. Ready. Creation's groaning, and so are we for the return of the king. So I praise him for the coming kingdom and the new Jerusalem and all the amazing things that will take place at that time. Let's pray. Pray for Israel, the peace of Jerusalem, 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Psalm 122, verses 6 through 8. So I pray. I pray for the hostages that are still in Gaza and being held for the bodies that they have refused to return to their families. And I pray for the Gaza people that are suffering under the actions and demonic control of Hamas. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the martyrs, the victims of injustice, believers all over the world and now in America. If you're paying attention on the news, being a Christian, being somebody taking a stand for the gospel, for the Bible, for Jesus, Yeshua, has become criminal in some places. He warned us, it's here. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me, in my wife, my family, and each and every one of you that we get back to our divine design to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint, to rise up with wings as eagles, to answer the call to action, to do what he needs done in this hour, for the blessings to flow through. If you've been blessed, be a blessing so that we can be a blessing to other, and it can just keep flowing. I put the word out in the last newsletter of a need. As yet, it still hasn't come in, but I'm keeping the faith that it will. There's people beside us that need it. Let's join our prayers together. Let's put the enemy to flight. Let's get proactive instead of reactive. Dunamis-powered, Holy Spirit-filled prayers. Focused, laser-like onto the target. For the glory of God and the furthering of the kingdom. It's time for us to get unified and more aggressive against the schemes of the fallen. Psalm 91 protection. We need it. We pray for it. We take it. We believe it. Accept it. It's in his word. Read it over yourself and your family every day. We're going to operate efficiently in the calling, exposing the enemy, seeking the lost, helping the dying those that are in bondage, and destroying the works of Hasatan and the fallen and glorifying the Lord. Oh, yes. Father, we praise you. We praise you for your love. We praise you for your mercy and what you've done for us. We praise you that you are a great Abba, a Papa, a Daddy, that you sent Yeshua, your only begotten Son, to die for us, to shed his blood to pay for our sins so that we could be reconciled to you and Adam's mistake could be undone. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for doing what no one else could ever ever done. You blotted out our sin. You set us free. You took us out of darkness and brought us into the light, your light. Thank you for the love that did that. Thank you for loving us and letting us sit with you in the heavenly places. Sending your angels to walk with us, to guard us, for your Holy Spirit to guide us. Thank you for doing that, for sending back the Spirit that is still with us and in us. The same Spirit that raised you from the dead. Holy Spirit, have your way. We're teaching, we're talking, we're talking about the Word, we're talking about Yeshua. That's in your wheelhouse, as I would say. This is what you do. 
Join us. Be with us. Open everybody's heart and mind. We take our thoughts captive. We cast down all the vain imaginations that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Father. We bless the technology, and we say, let this word go forth and accomplish what he desires it to do. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. A.W. Tozer says this, To many Christians, Christ is little more than an idea, or at best an ideal. He's not a fact. Millions of professed believers talk as if he were real and act as if he were not. Our actual position is always to be discovered by the way we act, not by the way we talk. You got to walk what you talk. So many don't do that. They become bad witnesses to the reality of Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua. Last week, in First Light, we talked about Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That's what He did for me on October 9, 1988. Ripped me out of darkness and brought me into the light. He rescued us and has drawn us to Himself from the dominion of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice, resulting in the forgiveness of our sins and the cancellation of sin's penalty. And he did that with the cross. The cross is the key to your deliverance, the key to your freedom. The cross is your beacon, your marker to a place of salvation and rescue. First light takes place at the cross when that appears in the morning, the dawn, and you set off on this new journey, a new life. First light leads us to a life in the light. That's what the topic is tonight, walking in the light. Go with me to First John chapter 1, starting with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, capital H, meaning Yeshua, and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Our fellowship with one another and with him is found in the light, not in darkness. God is light, and there's no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we are in fellowship with God 
but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God, as Abba is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. We're family with one another. And the blood of Yeshua, his son, cleanses us from our, all of our sin. But in all the years that I've been saved, 35 almost, it'll be 36 this year. I can't believe it. But we'll say we'll just stick with the 35 for now. I've seen so many believers that are fooling themselves. They're not fooling me, and they're definitely not fooling the Lord or the Holy Spirit, but they're fooling themselves. They say one one thing and they do another. They'll get up on stage and sing and preach or teach or do whatever and look real good, but they're you know they're whitewashed sepulchers with dead men's bones inside. Can't do that. God is light. He is holy. His message is truthful. He is perfect in righteousness. And because of that in him, there's no darkness at all, no sin, no wickedness, no imperfection. So if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we're still walking in the darkness of sin, we're liars and we don't practice the truth. But if we really, if you and I really walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God found in his word as he himself is in the light, we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us, we with him. And the blood of Yeshua, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all its forms and all its manifestations. See, if you're living in the light, you're walking in the light, if you're seeking that light, you're not going to wander off into darkness. You just won't. God is light. The Lord exists and lives in light. So to live out our walk with him, we must be in that light as well. It's the only thing that makes sense. And truthfully, why would we want to live anywhere else? Walking in the light of his presence in our life should be the ultimate goal. And the only time you're not doing it is when you willfully wander away. You know, John twelve thirty five. after he's made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and, and, and all the things that are said, he finally makes a declarative statement. My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in that light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they're going. We have a world right now walking in darkness. They can't see where they're going. We have fellow supposed believers who can't see where they're going. We have leaders who can't see where they're going, the blind leading the blind into a ditch. I've never understood how that can happen, not as a baby Christian and not as a mature older Christian now. I just don't get it. The only way it can happen is you are willfully deceived. Now, 
right now, January 31st, 2024, now is the time to walk in the light. Are you looking out there? Are you seeing what's going on? Are you seeing what's being said, what leaders are doing, what the media is doing? Now's the time to get into the light and to bring others with us as well before it's too late. Because when the church is gone, the world will be enveloped in darkness until he returns. While I was working on this today, the Lord, the Holy Spirit led me to Isaiah chapter 2. And if you get the chance, read the whole chapter. I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures out of it. But basically, Isaiah is telling Judah and Jerusalem his vision. This is the vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, says, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above all the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between the nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And of course, he's talking at that light that never goes out, the sun that always shines. But before that happens, there's going to be judgment. And that's what Isaiah 2 talks about. It talks about all the things he doesn't like about what he sees. And I'm only going to give you verse 11 and 12 of Isaiah 2 because we're seeing so much of it right now. Human pride will be brought down, and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty, and he will bring down everything that is exalted. Only one name should be lifted up. Only one person should be lifted up. I say this a lot, and I said it to somebody recently. You know, people want to, out of respect, they want to give me the honor of reverend or or whatever title, they pastor, and, and that's all well and good, and I get that's ingrained in people. I'm not into titles. There's only one title that matters to me, and it's Lord, and I'm not him. So this thing with titles and the way we elevate people, no, 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 no. Everybody's got their place in the kingdom. But Scripture makes it clear that our walk is the way we conduct our life. If you want to know what your walk is, how do you conduct your life? Genesis 5:24. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. His walk was so good and so pure and so clean that God said, I'm going to take you with me. I want you here. 
and he didn't die, snatched him. Genesis 17, 1 and 2, and Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. He wants to walk with us. Even before the cross, even before sanctification, he wants to walk with his children like he did with Adam in the cool of the evening. But see, the law can't do that. I don't care what you've been told. The law cannot do that. Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He wasn't sinful flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We walk according, well, no, we should be walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And I will keep saying this for somebody out there who may be listening. If you are trying to walk by the law, it means you don't trust the Spirit, and you definitely don't trust your flesh. What you really need is deliverance from whatever it is that sin that is besetting you, get free in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Red Letter Basics, the Lord says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Difficult is the way that that path to life, it isn't easy. It's not easy at all. D.L. Moody said, I thought when I became a Christian, I had nothing to do but just to lay my oars in the bottom of the boat and float along. But I soon found out that I would have to go against the current. You're rowing against the current of this world. You're rowing against everything that they consider normal. And they think you're abnormal. It's not easy. Nor is it comfortable or convenient. But it is vital for living the life of a believer to walk in the light. And as I said, he wants to walk with you. Even even under... Before before the cross, Leviticus twenty six twelve, I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Jeremiah thirty two thirty eight, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Ezekiel thirty seven twenty seven, my tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We're his people, but more than that, we're special to him. We're his children. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the promises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, First Peter 2.9.
He's made us special. And he desires relationship with us, but he can't do that if we're walking in darkness. And you can't walk with him. You you can't take the world, the world system. You can't take Babylon with you on this walk. So you're going to have to let go of some things. 1 John 2, starting verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It means you don't love him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. I know I've told you the story, but I'll, I'll say it again because it applies. When I used, was at Christian Heritage under P- Pastor Shelley Saturday nights, he would pray all night to get the message for Sunday morning. I would go to the church, usually about 6 o'clock, and stay till I was done, which could be midnight, could be 3 in the morning. And pray and walk the property. And when he first started doing that, we started out with a big group of men, and it was great. Eventually it was just me. So one night I'm walking around the property, and there was two parts of a building, the old church and the new church and the offices, and so it was two distinct places. And I remember one, side, one time I came around the, the far side of the, of the two buildings, and I heard the Lord very clearly as so if standing right behind me said, come out from among them and be separate. And then he gave me dreams about why he wanted me to come out of it, and eventually we did. We left created the home church, the home fellowship. And it started out great, started out with great intentions, but the wrong spirit. Oh, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but our spirit wasn't right. We weren't doing it for something, but to be against something. That's the whole problem sometimes with the home church mentality. They're not doing it just to be for God, but they're doing it to be against traditional religion and church. So this tiny flaw allowed flesh to pervert the way and brought us right back into the bondage of traditions, things we used to do before, and then he finally stripped that. You can't live that way. We have to live in freedom. And I don't mean complete freedom where you do whatever you want to do, but you do whatever he wants you to do. That's freedom. Romans 8, starting verse 5, For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit, capital S, set their minds on the things of the Spirit, his will, his purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, that spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. The mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's laws because it can't. It cannot. And those who are in the flesh living a life that caters 
to sinful appetites and impulses cannot please God. You just can't do it. However, if you're not living in the flesh, if you're not controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit, in fact, the spirit of God lives in you, directing you and guiding you. But if anyone who does not have the spirit of Messiah, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. I think many people make a confession of faith, but are never born again. Their behavior never changes. They never change. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that's the leaven of the Pharisees, the hypocrisies that come into the church People that have a true calling and a true desire to serve God get caught up in traditional religion and traditional ways of doing things, and they get caught up in the flesh. They get caught up in the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and being elevated and having titles and and doing all these things. And before you know it, Satan doesn't have to do very much to destroy a church, to destroy a congregation. He really doesn't. He just has to infect one person. One rotten apple will destroy all the fruit, both spiritually and naturally. So that all that's in the world, everything we see in the world, we cannot carry it into the church. Lust, sensual craving of the flesh, lust and longing of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in our own resources, or in the stability of earthly things, houses, cars, this thing and that thing, and jewelry and all the stuff, those don't come from the Father. Those come from the world. And when John uses the word world there, let's not be thinking of grass and trees and flowers. He's talking about a world system. A world system dominated by Hasatan and the fallen because Satan is the head of the world system. And someday he'll step out of the wings through his Antichrist and uh, seek glory and seek worship. And that'll be the final act of rebellion for him. No, well, that's not true. He'll go to prison for a thousand years and he'll get out and having learned nothing, we'll try to do it again. And then he'll get cast into the lake of fire. But uh, for a creature that's supposed to be so brilliant, he's pretty stupid. You make the same mistakes over and over, thinking you're going to have a different outcome. That that's that's insanity. But the course of this world is dominated by who? The God of this world, who's Satan. That's why we, as believers in Yeshua, and sons of the most and daughters of the Most High God, we are instructed not to love the world system because it's not for us. What it will do, again, inspire the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you want to see a preacher, teacher, evangelist, whoever, in the process of falling, though they may be high up and look real good and smell real nice, they'll have one, if not all three, of those things going on. The lust of the flesh is human desire. It's a craving, not just sexual desire, as the word lust might convey. It's the 
human instinct. It, it's You want to be distinct apart from the divine. You don't want to be like God. You don't want to be like Yeshua. Blessed of the eyes, that's real easy. It's the physical and external pull away from the spiritual and the eternal. Easy. Easy sin to fall into. Especially when you're told, God wants you to have the desires of your heart. They leave out the part, but it's got to line up with his word. The pride of life is that self-assurance of uh, pretension and arrogance. Look who I am. You know, your power, your own authority, and your own possessions, worldly goods, resources. All that's going to rot and fall away. The enemy could take it away at any time. You know, your bank account, I don't care how much you have in it or how protected you are. If the government wants to take it, they can. When, when the fallen come into power, they're not going to let people keep their ability to defy them, to move around. Oh, it may seem really nice at first, first three, three and a half years, and then all of a sudden they're going to flip the switch and become the monsters that they really are. So always remind yourself, if you think that you are being seduced or being pulled, First John 2.17, the world is passing. It's fading away. And the lust of it, everything that people can crave... But whoever does the will of God, what pleases God, will abide, will live forever. We can't take anything with us. Our life in eternity with him is forever, and it's wonderful, and it's priceless. So the vanity, the illusion of power and fame and fortune, it's worthless because passing passes away, it's already in process. Now, being in the entertainment industry, the movie industry, theaters since 1978, and watching people rise and fall, and, you know, you can be on a TV show and really popular for 7, 8, 9, 10, even 20 years. Well, maybe not 20 years, but you know what I mean. Real, a long time, and the minute that show's off the air, people forget you. And the money fades and the glamour, and the bright lights, and all that came with it is gone. But you know what doesn't fade? A living relationship with the living God, walking in the light and doing his will. Yeshua says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and when thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye, and if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness! No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
You cannot serve God and money. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't do both. And that word mammon is the Greek form of a Syriac or Aramaic word for money, for riches, or property, for worldly goods or profits. It's the personification of riches as an evil spirit or a deity. The Greek called it Plutus, and it is a real entity. It is a ruling spirit. So set your mind on things above. If he wants to bless you, he will. But the purpose of that blessing is for you to hoard it and to, you know, to be all proud about it. It's to use what you need and to bless others. If you are concentrated, if your mind is set on money, it's it's incompatible with a wholehearted devotion to God and to his service. Can't be done. I don't care what these televangelists who are living a life of depravity, I've been behind the scenes, I've seen the way they think, I've seen the way they live, and I'm talking big, big name people, some of which who have gone on to whatever their reward was. They're going to be real shocked when they get to paradise and they find out they don't have a mansion and they ask why. Well, you spent your inheritance on earth. You hoarded my goods. You you reaped what you did not sow off of my children. You, the, the sheep, you took the wool. You didn't feed them. You didn't take care of them. Colossians 3, 5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. I always remember when I say that, a song by DC Talk, one of their first songs, turning a want into a need, is called Greed. And I'm very careful when I pray, of praying for needs, knowing that my wants are irrelevant to the kingdom of God, but my needs are very relevant to my Heavenly Father. So in blunt language there in Matthew 6, Yeshua rejects the worldly drive for material pleasures because he knows what it does to us. So a true disciple must not be concerned with earthly treasures. But heavenly one, set your mind on things above, things that will never fade away. Being an independent ministry and doing what I do is a struggle at times, a very hard struggle. But I wouldn't have it any other way. The Lord kept me from being caught up in the traditional church hierarchy and being hired and having a salary and 401k and doing all those things. There was a point where I wanted that, and I should have had it because I was already doing the job that I wasn't being paid for. And when Pastor Shelley was going to offer me the job, he literally told me because I was upset with him for not giving me the job. But one time when we had to air everything out, he took me out and he said, look, I want to tell you something. I know you were upset with me when I didn't hire you for that youth pastor position. He said, I was going to, and the board had already cleared it. And the Lord screamed at me, don't you dare ruin him. He's mine. He said, so I couldn't. Looking back on it, it would have ruined me. I would have stopped growing at that point. I would have become the very thing I hated. 
But my Lord protected me. So there's no serving two masters. There's only serving one. And you know what's really interesting? Howard L. Dayton Jr. in a, a leadership book said this. Jesus talked about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the gospel, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions because the Lord knows how Satan works. He knows what ruins people, men, women. doesn't matter who they are. So if you really want to serve him, and I don't mean in ministry, I mean just serve him, then you got to make a choice. Don't focus on the material. Pay your bills, do all those things. You don't need more of a house than you could live in. You don't need more than one car. You can only drive one at a time. You can have a closet full of clothes, but if you're not wearing them then why do you need them? And I can tell you what that's like. My mother, having grown up in the Depression, when she could finally afford things, she bought what she wanted. When I had to clean out her apartment, there were things with the tags still on them that she had never worn. Leather purses that had laid in one spot for so long they had melted together. I cannot tell you how much I had to throw out. Had I known was there while she was sick and living down here, I would have, you know, done some kind of a sale or a consignment or something. But by the time I finally got there, it was just like, wow, what a waste. All these things she wanted, she bought them because she could. She didn't need them. based on fear, I guess, of, of not being able to have them. I don't know. So we got to make a choice. If we're going to walk in the light, then let's walk in the light. Let's walk like he walked. Don't get fixated on, on material treasures, fixated on heavenly ones. Get people saved healed. You want to build up a bank account in heaven? Get people saved. Get people healed. Get people delivered. Because otherwise you can't be a disciple of the kingdom. You cannot adapt kingdom principles to fit your worldview. The kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world do not mix together like oil and water. So let's give this a shot, 2024, if you haven't done it yet. Make sure your needs are met. Make sure you have the roof over your head. Make sure you help out others when you can. But don't get fixated on what you don't have. Focus on what you do. And focus on him first. And the Spirit will guide you in all things. Galatians 5, starting verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, Paul says. Excuse me. Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. Flesh and Spirit don't get along. He can't do it. Can't do it. 
So let's walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. We're going to seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then we won't carry out the desires of our sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God or the word or those things. That's what lust does. It causes you to do things you wouldn't normally do because the flesh has taken over and eventually the demonic will will be added to it. For the sinful nature has a desire which is opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desire of the Holy Spirit in you opposes the sinful nature. For these are two distinct natures that are in direct opposition with each other. They're always going to be in conflict. Most tormented, anointed people I've ever seen is because they're battling with the fleshly issue they've not given over to God and still trying to walk with the Spirit. So they're doing things they don't want to do. So what do you do? Well, James, the brother of Yeshua, the head of the church in Jerusalem, says this in chapter 4, starting verse 7. First place to go, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why? Because you've humbled yourself before God. Come close to God and he will come close to you. The reason the devil's fleeing is because now you've gone close to God. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We all make mistakes. We all stumble and fall. We all do things in a moment of fleshly anger or weakness or whatever it if the Holy Spirit's in you, this conviction will come over you that'll break your heart. And you'll stand there and shake your head and say, why, why did I do that? Oh, my Lord, I'm so sorry. As long as the Spirit's there and you feel conviction, you're going to be okay. If you ever stop feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, your heart is hardened, and if that goes on too long, you will become reprobate. It means irredeemable. You don't want that. You don't want the word Ichabod, God's glory departed, to be spoken over you, because that'll mean you're beyond redemption. I had to give that word to a nation, to its leaders that they were on the verge of God speaking Ichabod over them, that his glory was in a ship floating away from the shore, but there was still time for them to get it. So he gives us grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy the sins and the failures in our life, and to live an obedient, loving life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation, not just to him, but to everyone around us. Scripture says God's opposed to the proud and the haughty. 
but continuously gives the gift of grace to the humble, to those who turn away from self-righteousness towards him. And that humility is head down, hands outstretched to the king. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him. And he will flee from you. Why? Again, because you're next to God. You're next to the Lord. Come close to God with a contrite heart. And he will come close to you. Wash your hands of the dirt and the filth of this world, you sinners. Purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. And if you do mess up, be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Been there, done that. It's not fun. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. As I'm saying this, the Lord reminded me of a moment during the home church. I know I've shared this. I think I shared it in the book. The home church, we were ministering to the homeless. We were doing things that nobody else in that town had done for the homeless. People knew who we were. I mean, it was great. Fill in the family room. I, it was just great. And I'm at my dining room table, and I, back then there's nothing digital, so I have all these books. I have my Concordance. I have my Strongs. I've got the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I got my Bible. I got my yellow pad, and I'm consuming the Word, and I'm taking notes. And I hear, clearly hear the Lord say, Son, do you want to know who the biggest Pharisee is in town? And I'm thinking, wow, I got a word for somebody. Because he's had me do that, bring words to people. So I flip a clean page over on the yellow legal pad, and I have my pencil, and I'm waiting for him to tell me. And he says, son, it's you. You've become everything you hate. To this day, I remember that feeling. And it broke me. And he said, you have taken scripture and traditions and things you've learned and turned them into a crutch of your own self-reliance. And I knew what he was talking about. The group was growing. We were looking at a home, a storefront. We were we were starting to act like like religion does. And I staggered from the table into the family room, where we held our uh, fellowship services. And at that point, we had three dogs. And I stagger in there, and I fell on my knees, and I, f I fell on my face, and I'm crying. I'm sobbing, and I'm talking, snot flowing, sobbing. I mean, it was ugly. And my, the dogs are coming over, and they're sniffing me, and they're nudging me. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with Dad. And my eyes were filled with tears. I couldn't see. But I could feel the presence of the Lord himself walk into the room. And I, I was crying and, and repentant, talking about how sorry I was. And he put his hand on my shoulder. 
And he looked up at the father. He said, I think he got it. I think he's got it. And I did. And he lifted me up. And he gave me purpose. And he gave me a new direction. I wasn't comfortable because that's when he said, shut everything down. But I'd rather have that than a humongous building and all the stuff that goes with it. I'd rather have that. I'd rather come close to my Abba Father with a contrite heart, knowing that he will come close to me. That's what we all want. It's what I always wanted ever since my real father walked out. To know that my heavenly father, Abba, the great I am, wants to be close to me. And I know many of you out there, and even if I don't know you, I know the story is very similar. We've had parents that have let us down, and more often than not, it's a father. We've never understood why, why they did what they did. And to a little child, that doesn't matter. All we know is how bad their choices have hurt. And the lasting scars they leave. But I, my whole life, and then finally got it through Yeshua, through salvation, was able to get close to him. Because I wanted out of the darkness. I wanted freedom from that darkness. I wanted his love. I wanted my family back. I wanted him. So where is the light? So that you can walk in the light? It's him. The question doesn't become where is the light? Is It's where he is. It was a song that I've always loved and it came to mind today. It's by Don Moan. It's called, I Just Want to Be Where You Are. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place forever. Take me to the place where you are, because I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, in your presence. That's where I always want to be. I just want to be, I just want to be with, with you. I just want to be where you are, to enter boldly into your presence. I don't want to worship you from afar. Draw me near to where you are. Oh, my God, you are my strength and my song. And when I'm in your presence, though I am weak, you're always strong. 
I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place forever. So take me to the place where you are because I just want to be with you. That's all I want. And that's all I want for you is to be with him in his presence daily, 24-7. David understood that. and He said in Psalm eighty-nine, fifteen. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. It starts at the cross, first light. You're making that journey. There are going to be storms. There are going to be waves. There are going to be thieves and predators and things along that way. But if you're in his presence, if you're staying close to him, The enemy may be out there and doing all the ugly things that he's doing, but because you're so close to him, it's not going to come anywhere near you, and you're not going to want to be near it. So I don't know where you are in your walk. We're all at different places, different experiences. But no matter where you are, if you just got saved or you've been saved for decades— This is your focus, him. Being where he is, being in his light, walking in his light, walking in his glory. Let the world have what the world's going to have. Let those people that are doing these disgusting, depraved things, let them have it. If that's what they want, man has always been that way. They've always rejected God and chosen the fallen. We see that in Genesis 6, and we see that with the flood. And they got what they wanted. They got what they deserved. And I don't say that maliciously or mean or spitefully. No, they, they, they chose it, and they got it, and they paid for it. I want to live a life that was paid for with blood. I want to live a life in the light, leading other people out of the darkness, bringing them to the cross so they can start their journey. I don't need the accolades. I don't need all those things. What I do need is to be near him, and that's what I want for you. Father, Abba, Papa, I'm asking you. There's some that are afraid right now to come near you. They're afraid to come to you. They're afraid to open up to you and say, take it all. Take all these hidden sins. Take all these things that I'm so embarrassed about, things I've done or have been done to me. Take it all. Like a little child, I pray that they'll look at you and show you that scraped knee of their soul or the, that wound and say, see, see, Dad? So that you can heal them. You can heal their heart. You can make them whole. Pull them into the light, Holy Spirit. Draw them. Draw them. Draw them into the light. Bring them to the cross. Show them the empty tomb. Lead them to the upper room. 
Father, I pray for your children. I pray for your sons and daughters that are being harmed and slaughtered. And I know that they're going to you. But I also know from what you said in Revelation, they're crying out for you for justice. And I know that day is coming. But help us to do our job. Help us to do what we're called to do in this hour, to be focused upon you, destroying the works of the enemy, setting the captives free and leading people by the hand to their Abba Father. I pray this, Lord. I pray this with all my heart. I pray this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.